You might be wondering, what is this stepladder doing in the middle of the sanctuary during the sermon time? I'm going to use the stepladder to proclaim, to herald and, and highlight the greatest supernatural phenomenon that has ever taken place on planet Earth. During communion, thank you, Brian, for sharing the gospel of God's salvation. Now I'm going to proclaim the gospel of God's Son. Three thousand nine hundred and fifty years ago. Let that settle in your minds. That's long time ago. That goes back to Genesis chapter 28, one of the earliest prophecies. We have one in Genesis 3.15 as well, the seed who would come to crush the dominion of Satan, the headship of Satan. He would pulverize that dominion and leave nothing. It's like, who is this seed, this man, this seed of the woman? And then in Genesis 28, we hear about another seed. Not only that, but we hear the plan of God. He, he, he outlines the, the plan on how he's going to do it, starting really small, getting much bigger, and how God's son, the one who would bring God's salvation to the world, was going to happen. 3,000 950 years ago came the dream. It was a prophetic, God-given dream to a man named Jacob. Jacob saw things. It's a dream. So it wasn't just words. He saw things, and then he heard words that were familiar to him because his grandfather, Abraham, had also heard these words before, but Abraham did not have this vision that Jacob had in his sleep. He was in the land of Canaan back then, in a place called Luz, which got renamed, if you've read the story, to Bethel, which means house of God. He was amazed at what he saw in the dream. What did he see? Well, he didn't see a miniature ladder like this. This is just a shadow of what he actually saw. He actually saw a ladder resting on earth, and the top extended beyond the sky, first heaven. It extended all the way to the highest heaven to God's residence, to the house of God in heaven where God resides. And something beyond the ladder. You know, angels are, are messengers of light. They are heavenly messengers. They, they have a message that represents God. And in this dream, they had a message, but they didn't use words. These angels of light were highlighting something in this dream. Dream. 
Jacob didn't fully understand it. He partially understood it. He was amazed with what he understood. But when we look back, we are even all the more amazed at what God was showing way back in this ancient dream almost 4,000 years ago. The angels were coming down. They were descending from the heights of heaven down this ladder, down this stairway from heaven, all the way down to earth, and particularly the place on earth where Jacob was sleeping and dreaming, the land of Canaan. That land was being highlighted by God in this dream. It was a special place, a special land on earth, and we'll understand why in just a moment. And so they were descending, but that's not all they were doing. It says they were also going up from earth back up to heaven and doing this over and over again, highlighting one message, a descending, an ascending, and I'll put it theologically right, and finally a descending again. And then it says in the scriptures, and there's, a couple of translations to understand this part. Over the ladder, Jacob, seeing this ladder, God stood over the ladder. What does that tell me in a childlike type of faith? God is bigger than the ladder. He's bigger than a ladder that extends from heaven all the way down to earth. He's much bigger. And yet, it says that God also stood beside Jacob when he spoke to him in this dream. And you're thinking, how could it be that? It, the, the bigness, God is great, sounds like accurate, but how could he also be beside Jacob? God is a very down-to-earth personal God who is willing with his presence to come right up to you in his face right beside you to communicate things he wants to make known. And so he is great. And he is personal. Well, he gave three promises. Abraham heard these promises, and now his grandson, Jacob, was hearing them as well. A reminder that this is happening, and this is now continuing uh, from your generation forward. God has a plan. What did he tell Jacob? I'm going to put it in the order of promises. He told Jacob, promise number one, that he would become, this one single man, a promised nation. God assured him that he would multiply, that his family would grow and expand and become like the dust of the earth. So imagine Jacob, one little speck of dust, and then an expansion happening generationally. He would become an entire nation. We know a little later that God renamed this man Israel man who struggled with God, if you remember all night, wrestling with that angel. He named them Israel because he really is the father of this nation. He really did. We know historically, this is not just a dream. We know in reality, he did actually become a nation, and that nation took on his name, Israel. But it doesn't stop there. Promise number two, promised land. He told Jacob that the very place that he was sleeping in, this particular land on earth, would house 
his nation. There would be an appointed time. It was almost like Abraham was given a title deed and then he passed it on to the next generation and now Jacob was being assured, you have the title deed to this land. You and your descendants, there is an appointed time where you will take possession of this land. It's a done deal in the authority and the name of God and his word assuring you this land will one day be Israel's. And we know after Moses' generation, Joshua's generation went in and took the land. And it also was named Israel. It's big things that Jacob was hearing as a single man regarding the future. Great, huge vision in this dream. The third part, which completes the vision and the greatness of the vision, was that all peoples, every nation, tongue, and tribe, first Israel, of course, because it's their nation that was expecting what God was saying in the third promise, and, and, and beyond Israel, God's plan was to bless all nations from curse. God was turning things around to a blessing, and it would be fulfilled in this third promise. Through you, Jacob, and your descendants, your nation shall be a seed, singular. Paul preaches about it in Galatians 3. The seed is one who would actually take possession and inherit the entire future creation, the new creation, the hope of glory. He is the one who is inheriting that, and no one else can take possession of that except this one person. Then how do we get into that? All those who are in Christ become co-inheritors, like a bride to a groom. They inherit this with them. God did not do this for himself. He did it for us to open up where there was no future, a future with him. What's the promise? Let's take a little closer look at the promise. A seed, which means a descendant. And when we speak of descendancy here, we're talking about Jacob, his nation, in the bloodline of Jacob, in and, and through this nation will be born one day an Israelite. And not only that, let's back up to the angels because they were saying something about descending as well. He would not only horizontally be a descendant in the bloodline of Jacob, Israel, but he would descend down the ladder. I call him the descending descendant. He pre-existed his human birth on earth. And we can only see this clearly as believers after it all has unfolded. Jacob, he woke up from the dream and he started raving about the place, the land. Because he's thinking the ladder, the angels coming down from heaven and going back up in, in this place. And he said, wow, this is the very house of God. And I, I didn't even know it. This place is awesome. And then he went on and, and he, he said, this is the gateway of heaven. This is the place where heaven comes down from that realm to earth. 
He saw that in the dream. He was highlighting it with the angels. He's thinking the angels came down to earth. The majesty of God was on earth. But it's more than that. It's the seed. It's the Son of God who will become the Son of mankind. This is much bigger than just angels coming down to earth, even though that is huge. They were only highlighting the bigness of the one seed who would come down. And we know there's many more prophecies that were given to Israel. We sing songs that capture Isaiah 714. <laughs> Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And we know Emmanuel means God with us. God here on earth with us. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. They held these promises, but they didn't know how huge they really were. Even the devil couldn't figure this out. God, through a man, are you going to crush my dominion? How, how could it be? It almost sounds like it's not true, but if God is saying it is true, what is God up to? Something really big. So big that on the night of his birth, 1,950 years after, the dream. That's 2,000 years ago from us. 1,950 years after the dream, we called it the arrival. You can't just call it the birth. That sounds almost only human. You got to call it the arrival because it was a human birth, but it was more than that. On the night he was born, in a nearby field in that region, you guys know the story. There were shepherds watching their sheep by night. It's nighttime. It's dark. And suddenly, God dispatches from heaven to come down to earth and appear as angels of light that night in that field. It's not a silent light night at this point. It was up to that point with Mary and Joseph and them only knowing the birth of the child. But then suddenly, messengers, angels from heaven are sent down, just like the ladder, how they were coming down. They're sent down on the night of the birth. They've come to emphasize and highlight again who actually came down the ladder. And they did it this way in two steps. <laughs> First, only one appeared, and one was enough to cause them megaphobos. In Greek, it means mega fear. We're talking about a very escalated fear. They were completely overwhelmed. The glory of the Lord shining all around. We're cornered. Something out of this world. It's a visitation. Of course, it's an angel from out of this world visiting. And the angel directs the traffic emotionally, and he wants that emotion to shift from mega fear to mega joy. Because the scripture says mega chara in what the angel said. So he says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of mega joy. This is not a time to be afraid, but this is a time to be happy, which is for all the people. Like this nation 
has been looking generationally for centuries for the coming one, the Messiah, the appointed one, and when will that be? And they every year annually looking, where is he? Has he come yet? Celebrating in their feasts and looking forward to this. And here comes an angel from heaven saying, today in the town of David, Bethlehem, house of bread. We know that Jesus Christ is the bread who came down from heaven. And the land is the place, particularly Bethlehem, housed the one who came down from heaven. And housed them where? Well, by implication, in a stable. A manger is a feeding trough. When he was born, he was put in a, 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 a box where you put animal feed to, to house him at his birth. And swaddling cloths usually wrapped around animals to keep them warm when they're born. Well, he was born and he had swaddling cloths hanging on him. Like, what a picture. Well, the angel said, Yo, that's the big sign. If you want to find him tonight, here's one big clue. Because there's no one else actually lying in a manger tonight except him. When you find him lying in a manger, that's the one. Who is he? The angel started by saying, a Savior is born today unto you. And then he identifies him in two ways. He is Messiah. The Greek terminology, Christos, he is Christ, which means the one, the long-awaited, the appointed, the anointed one. He's here. But he doesn't stop there and he says he's Christ. By the way, Lord means to belong to, to, to someone. He owns you. These angels belonged to the Lord in heaven above. And here they are raving, starting with this one angel. He says he's the Lord. He has arrived. He has come down to earth to you. And we have come to make this known, starting with you shepherds. I thought, why didn't you let the, all of Israel know? Because they probably would have all ran there and Herod would have been there instantly wanting to kill him. So he chose a few humble shepherds to make known what happened. The Lord was on earth. Well, as if that wasn't dramatic enough, suddenly an entire population, plethos, stratia, which means army, uh, a company of an army, a large population of angels. So if one overwhelmed them, what did they feel when angels of light flooded that field with light? Kind of wondering what, what they saw from the city. Whoa, like a huge explosive light. And so God sent them, and it says they came and joined this angel and began to praise God and say, Think of the latter. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth and goodwill toward all on whom his favor rests. Charis. He's doing a huge favor to the human race. This is a, in the love of God, huge gift.
Think of the Christmas tree and putting presents down there. This is the biggest present of them all. God gave us his son. He was willing to come and become human forever and turn everything around from the lowest place to lift us to the highest place. Starting with himself, he took our humanity to the heights of glory. And where I am, you will also be. This is what he did for the human race. Well, he grew up and became a man and began to minister. And there has never been anyone on planet Earth like this. The people were amazed with him. He preached with great authority. And his preaching was accompanied by great miracles and signs and wonders. He was healing people everywhere as he went from town to town. They would come and he would heal them of their diseases. He would deliver them from their demons. Demon possession. Demons would, would, would cry out, we know who you are. You're the son of God. They knew and they were horrified. Thinking, this can't be the appointed time where you've come to torture us and destroy us. They knew who he was. And beyond all those signs pointing to him being the one, the biggest sign, after he died on the cross on account of our sins, the biggest sign is he rose from the dead, just like he said he would. So if even they found, oh, he's a magician, and that's how he does the... He rose from the dead on the third day and he stuck around purposely for 40 days to appear again and again, not just to his apostles, but disciples here and there. One occasion, as Paul says, over 500 eyewitnesses saw him alive from the dead. He left a lineup of, if all these people stood in court and testified, there's no court that would say the resurrection is not true. Our faith based on facts. Well, you remember in John 6 when he said he came down from heaven as the bread of God? Uh, and whoever receives him, cons consumes this bread, will have life. And he lost a lot of the crowd that day. He looked at his own closest disciples and said, do you want to leave as well? Does it offend you that I said I came down from heaven? What if you would see me with your own eyes go back up to where I said I came from? Would you then believe? As I saw him alive from the dead for 40 days and then on the Mount of Olives as he was blessing them. And it wasn't a flash. Did that just happen? It was slow according to the Greek understanding of all those words where he was taken up from them and drawn up all the way up through the sky and reaching the clouds and through the clouds enveloped and not able to see him. They're gazing. Maybe we can see him one last time. They actually saw him go back up. <laughs> and then two angels came down from heaven, down the ladder, and said, men of Galilee, why do you sit there gazing up in the sky? The same Jesus that you saw leave, the very way you saw him leave, up there in the sky, in the clouds, you will also see him return. And we know that ten days later, the promised gift of the Father that Jesus said was coming, the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 
started at Pentecost, according to Joel 2, Peter said, this is being fulfilled today. The outpouring has begun on Israel, and we knew it was beyond Israel. It starts there, but it was going to go to all nations, and we know that God has been saving billions over the generations since that time, and it will continue to be an outpouring right up to the sign in the heavenlies where the sun will grow dark and the moon will become blood red, as Jesus even taught in Matthew 20. And then the sign of his coming, Jesus will return with his angels. There was a descending, an ascending. You remember the highlighting of the angels? And now there's a final descending. We're talking about the future. I don't know how far that future is from us, but as Paul says, this is a safe thing to say. It's much closer now. And I would say along with many others who are preaching, I, I believe it's very close. I'm not saying it's our generation, but I'm definitely not saying it isn't our generation. <laughs> I'm safe in every way here today. <laughs> uh, he will come back. He will return. You know, before Jesus left, he talked about this return in so many ways. And the simple instruction was, be ready. Be ready. Be looking. Be watching. Be serving while you're watching. But in anticipation of this great return, be ready. And he will come with his angels in the clouds, just like those two angels said. And the dead in Christ will rise first and be caught up in the clouds with him. And then those who are survivors, I'm not going into the book of Revelation now, but those who were alive at that time will be translated in the, in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality. They will be caught up in this first resurrection and they will find themselves with the Lord in the clouds and they will from there on be with him forever. It's not up in the clouds where they're going to end up, is it? That's just the first stop. And then we hear about the day of vengeance. All those who are part of the dominion of darkness and its rebellion, those who have chosen an antichrist, those who have resisted and rejected the true Christ, they will find themselves mourning. People from all nations will see him, it says in Matthew 24, and they will be mourning. Mourning means loss. Why are they feeling at a loss that Jesus Christ has come back? This is the greatest thing that could ever happen. Because they're not ready. Be ready. How can I be ready, George? Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead in your hearts. You spoke this. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And accept his lordship. Confess. Echo back that he is Lord. He's been confirmed that he is Lord. Speak back to him. Yes, you are Lord. Lord of the universe. Lord over creation. Lord over my heart too. Let his favor rest in your life so reconciliation and peace, that blessing, can happen in your life. And I'll close it with this. If that's already happened, be ready also implies for you, just like the shepherds and the angels, help others. 
be ready. People who don't even know yet what's happened, what's coming. Help them know. In hearing you, they will be stirred to faith. And in that faith, they will call upon the Lord. And it shall come to pass that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We have a be ready that doesn't only belong as a word to us, but it's a be ready in helping others around us be ready as well. So I leave you that as the application and the exhortation. Continue to work out your salvation, looking forward to the return, and continue to help others know that he's come and that he's coming again.